Hey, this is Kenny. Welcome or welcome back to our midweek service at Crossroads. Uh, this is Crossroads Podcast, and we're excited about the direction God has led us for this new uh, theme for the school year. Uh, as you might be able to tell, I've got a little sinus thing going on. School has started back, my wife being a teacher, my son being in school. They're bringing home all kind of cooties, so we're, we've been fighting off a cold here for the past Oh, three or four days. But we're excited about the message that God brought to us uh, last week uh, and just uh, thinking about friendships and relationships and how important it is to make sure we're choosing the right friends. Uh, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, the question is, is, do your friends stand with you when times get tough? Uh, we're glad that you're here with us. want to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast and you'll get notifications when we have new things coming up. But as always, welcome to Crossroads. Chapter 1, Daniel chapter 1. So again, have you ever just had one of those days? Uh, today was the greatest Monday I've had in a long time, even though it's midweek. Uh, when, when my alarm went off at 5, I just wasn't feeling it. And so I turned my alarm off, and Jessica's alarm goes off at the exact same time, and hers is really loud and mine is not. Uh, her snooze button started screaming. I, I don't know how much later that was. But I went ahead and got up then. I did my quiet time. Uh, I got my coffee, and I tried my best to kind of focus on what the day was going to be. And, and as I'm sitting there, I start dozing off on the sofa. I've got the news on so I can see that it's going to be incredibly hot again, and people are going to burst into flames when they go outside. So I'm watching all that. And then finally, Jessica comes in. Not finally, as in it's about time, but finally, it was that time of the morning when she had gotten finished getting ready. And I said, all right, I'm going to get ready. She had gone and knocked on the door to get the, get the, the boy up, the Barrett up, to get him up. And so I went in to get ready. And... Um, sometimes when your facial hair gets growing crazy, you got to just trim it back some. So I, I was having this mustache thing. It, it felt like there were animals crawling around on my, on my upper lip. So I decided I would trim that back. And the guard that I normally use, I couldn't find. But I found something that said it would do the same thing. So I put the guard on there and I look into the mirror and I go, all right, here we go. And I went right up the middle and it shaved every bit of hair off my lip. I had a reverse Hitler mustache for a moment, and I just stared at it and went, oh my gosh. Oh my, you know, you want second chances. You want, you want a different beginning. We'll get, we'll get to you in a little while, okay? You can just put that down. Um, I wanted a second chance, but there was nothing else I could do. There, I was like, well, maybe I can just kind of smooth it in, but you can't do that when like there's that much facial hair gone. So that's why I am shaved. And my wife didn't know about it. Bear rode with me all the way to school this morning and never saw it. Uh, Coach Morrison had a fun time with it. So anyway, that's why this happened. Then, to top that off, I came in to make some adjustments to our web page, and the web page crashed because I took a, a colon out. And instead of having a semicolon, I put a colon or something. And the whole page shut down. And so for two hours, I sat there reading HTML, all that garbage, which means nothing to me other than somebody told me that's what it's called. And for two hours, I sat there and read all this stuff. And one little colon instead of a semicolon. And finally, we got that back up. And then just about 30 minutes ago, I was getting gasoline in the beast. And I looked down at my tire. And there is a bolt about the size of this table sticking out of my tire. Happy Monday. It's a great Monday. You're exactly right. I know what day it is, sweetheart. All right, so Daniel chapter 1. Um, 
We all have them. We all have friends. The beginning of school always reminds me of when your friendships really start to explode. Now, I can remember being your age. It's been a really long time, but I can remember being your age. And thinking back to that time, of course, it's different now than it was then. And this isn't a, when I was your age, but when I was your age, of course, we didn't have cell phones. Uh, you didn't go to people's houses all the time. You didn't just jump in cars and go places. Uh, there wasn't really malls convenient, so you didn't go to the mall much. Every once in a while, you'd come down to Howard's. <laughs> y'all don't know nothing about that. Most of y'all don't know nothing about that. But there was this place called Howard's that you would come to and all your friends didn't come to is your mother would drag you in there and make you do things you know, try on clothes and stuff um, and then um, school would start back when you got out of school there were people that you wouldn't see the whole summer now with the wonders of technology you're never by yourself so your friends are always right there with you on the phone so it, there's not a whole lot of changes but when school started back that was an exciting time. Every year when school started back, you had that group of friends. Now, what I want you to do, I want you to think about something. I don't want you looking around because the answer you're thinking might not be what your neighbor's thinking, but I want you to think about your two closest friends. Just think about them. Put those people in your mind. And those two closest friends, I, I just want you to think about them for a minute. And the reason I, I, I bring that out is because tonight we're going to be looking at some people in God's Word and the relationship that they had. It was four different people, but I just want you to think about your two best friends. Uh, I would hear my mother say statements like, well, that's, uh, those, those are peas in a pod. You see one, you see the other one. And then when it got to three, it would be, well, those are the three musketeers, not a candy bar. It was just, you know, you were the three that were always going to be together or the three amigos, not the Mexican restaurant, but just three people that stayed together. Or maybe it was three of something else that would be relevant in that. But there those two people that if your parents said, hey, do you want to invite some friends over? The first two people that you know you'd be inviting. That's what I want you to think about for a minute. Now, as different as the world is today than what it was back when I was your age, we had those friends too. And you know, in those friendships, there's always different personalities. When we asked last week what makes you different, one of the, somebody over in that area said, my personality. Your personality makes you different. In every friendship group, there's always different personalities. You're going to have someone that is the alpha. They're going to be the leader. They're not going to stand up and beat their chest. It's not going to be with things like you see in the old movies where the leader of the group gets them up and they all go out and rough people up. There's just one person in that group that just kind of sets the tempo for what's going on. If they're having a bad day, the whole group's having a bad day. If they're having a wonderful day, the whole group's having a wonderful day. If they decide to start wearing a certain kind of clothes before long, everyone else is wearing those kind of clothes. They're just that person. They're, they're that person. I had that person in my group. I had that person. And when, when he would come in and whatever he would say before long, he'd start being the catchphrase. It was just that person. So there is one of those people in your group. There, there's also that person that's a risk taker, that, that will just is willing to do whatever. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, you don't have to dare them to do anything. They're going to find things to take risks at. There's also that person that is the bubble wrap person that will not take a risk for anything. Hey, come on, let's go get something to eat. No, it's, it's almost curfew time. I know, but you're at my house. You can, mom said we could go, but my mom told me to be home at 732. And I'm, it's, it's 640 and we might get stuck in traffic. There could be a water buffalo jackknife somewhere. We can't go. So you've got that person in your group. You've also got that person that I call the Peter person. Peter was the redneck. He was the big mouth. 
of the disciples. You've got the big mouth in your group. And that's why I'm telling you not to look around because I don't want you going, that's you, you the big mouth, you the knucklehead, you the, you know, I don't want you doing that because they're probably thinking the same thing about you. But there is that person in that group that's going to be louder than everyone else. They're going to be the one that, that is quick to say something, they're quick to sometimes stir up trouble. Hmm. Can you believe what she's wearing? <laughs> I can't believe she's wearing. You know, there's always that person. There's also that person that is the peacekeeper. When everybody else gets fired up, there's that one person that's like, oh, no, no. Come on now. God has created us all for love. <laughs> Renee, that's you. I saw Renee come in. I swear. I swear. As soon as I said that, I was like, that would be Renee, 100%. And Renee, I almost said, that's you, Renee Tice. I was, wow, so that's a blast from the past. But there are those different people in the group. And one of the strangest things is when you've got three people together, they are so different. They might look alike. They might sound alike in certain things. But their personalities, the deep heart of their personality is so different. And a lot of times that's what attracts people together, just the differences in the group. I had those friends. I had a friend named Shane. I still have him. He's still alive. I hadn't spoken to him in probably 15 years, but I got a feeling if I saw him today, it would be just like old days. And Shane was a karate guy. Why why were we friends? I have no idea, but we were friends. He was a quiet guy, but he was also the risk taker. He said, hey, let's go repelling. I said, okay, and we found this old train uh, bridge at the Cahaba River. And we climb up to the top, and he drops the rope off as he's tied it off, and it's about 20 feet too short. And he just goes, he drops 20 feet with no rope and just all in the Cahaba River. And he snapped his ankle. He's like, come on down, Kenny, it's awesome. No, no, I'm not going to do that. So there's always that person. There's that person that's going to be that risk taker. But those relationships... Shane was that guy. Now, Jimmy was a karate guy as well, but he was an artist and just some of the most amazing artwork you could ever imagine. He was that guy. Then there was Big Kev. Big Kev was Big Kev. We've got these friends, these relationships that we have. And what I want you to do tonight is we're going to look at different people in the Bible and the things that made them different from everyone else. So in Daniel chapter 1, In verse 15, we will get to that in a minute, but I want to catch you up to what's going on there. So what's happening here is King Nebuchadnezzar has come in and he had taken over Judea. And as he takes over the land of Judah, when he comes in, he decides he's got his own castle, not castle, he's got his own palace. And in his palace, he's looking for people that would come there and work. And so he gets his chief people in his huddle and he says, I need you to find me a lot of servants because my kingdom is great and I need lots of servants. I want you to go to the Israelites and find me some great servants. And four of those servants that he found uh, are a heart of this story. It's um, Judah, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You would know them as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their names got changed. Now, as the king sets these four apart because he knew that there was something special about them, when he was talking to them, he said, you are now the king's servants and you will be eating what my people eat. And Daniel went to the guy that was kind of in charge of those people. And he says, hey, um, we appreciate that. Now, this is loosely translated. I appreciate all that, but we... We are, we've got a strict conviction about what we put in our bodies. And we don't think that we're supposed to eat what the king is asking us to eat. Is there any way that we can just eat what we know we're supposed to eat? 
And the guy that was in charge of him says, no, you don't understand. The king has selected you. You get the greatest food that there is in the whole kingdom. And you're getting this food because it's going to make you stronger. It's going to make you smarter. It's going to be the best for you. And they said, yeah, we understand that, but, but we really don't think we're supposed to do that. He said, oh, the King Nebuchadnezzar is going to be furious at this. And he says, well, just give us 10 days. And in 10 days, if you can't tell a difference, then we're good. Now, these four friends, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were together on that. You know, that group of friends that we were talking about that you have, at some point, you get faced with situations. And the majority of time, you will stand unified because you all believe in the same thing pretty much. And what we're seeing here is these four people are in the same situation. They believe their convictions of God is strong enough and that they have to follow what he is saying. Now, starting in verse 15, it says, At the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and of learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kind. And at the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked to them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So as they entered the king's service... In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, all the enchanters, and everyone in his whole kingdom. Because these four stood together, the king saw that something special was going on. And because of their commitment to God, God was doing special through, something special through them. Now, you can imagine what it must be like to be selected as the king, to be one of his servants. Understanding servants wasn't a slave. It was someone that worked in their palace. It was someone that, that would do things with his children, maybe, that would take them places. It wasn't a slave-type thing. They were treated wonderfully. And because of that, they were seen as a little bit better than everyone else. And life was golden. Think about you and your friends. When everything is going great, isn't everything just wonderful? I mean, everything's wonderful. Um, our son got an early birthday present last night. And as he was going through and looking at everything and explaining it all to us, because I have no idea what any of it is other than, well, I don't know what any of it is. And as he's talking about all that stuff, uh, he walked through and we talked about dinner. And last night we had tilapia and other stuff. I can't remember. It was some other food. Yeah, food that went with it. And when it was over, I said, baby, that was really good. And Barry said, oh, it was amazing. Gosh, that was so good. Because in that moment, everything in his life was amazing because of the gift that he had just gotten. When everything's going your way, that's the way everything is. But what about when things get tough? What about when times get hard? When you, when you continue to read the story, you find that Daniel, because of his ability to interpret dreams, to interpret the visions that he was getting, the king put him in charge of the whole area of Babylon. And being in charge of Babylon, he says, I need some people to work with me. So I choose, of course, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they are all going to work for him. And as you continue to read the story, you just see all these wonderful things happen. Then all of a sudden, something changed. All of a sudden, something changed. 
See, the king decided, you know what? This kingdom is great, but it's going to be even better because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a statue of myself. And that statue is going to be 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. And every time certain notes are played or every time you hear certain sounds, that's going to be for you to know that you are to stop whatever you're doing and bow down to that statue. And he said, and if someone doesn't do this, then they're going to be thrown into a furnace. And that's where they will die because they're not worshiping me, the king. And so as he gets all of his people together, he explains, this is what you're to go out and to share with everyone. This is what they have to do. They make the, 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 the command to everyone. And it's, it's like you would have a town crier that would go around and say, this is what the king has said. And they would go to the different people groups and they would say, the king has said, when you hear these different musical instruments, it's going to happen throughout the day. But when you hear that, whatever you're doing, you stop what you're doing. You bow down to that uh, idol or to that statue. They didn't call it an idol, to the statue of your king. And of course, as this started progressing, you would see in the middle of the day, as the music would start, they would stop whatever they were doing and they would just bow down to this idol, except for three people. Now, what happened to Daniel during this time? I have no idea. We find Daniel a little while later in the sticky spot with a bunch of cats, right? But as we're, we're reading this story, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know what? There's three that said we won't do it. And these three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, said that they would not bow down to an idol because they worshiped the true God. And of course, there's a tattletale. How many of you like people that just go around snitching on folks? That's one of the things that drives me crazy. Y'all remember when you were in elementary school and they would take names? Did y'all ever have that? Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad we've got a little something in common there. But they used to take names, and it was always Sandra, because Sandra was the perfect student. Sandra was smart, and she, was, she did homework and read books and stuff. She was weird. But she, did, she, was, she was the perfect student. And Sandra was the one that would always take names. And I was the one that would always get his name taken. Because if you put me in a class with people, at some point I'm going to start cutting up. I, I just can't help myself. I cut up at funerals. I put the fun in funeral. That's what my wife tells me. So uh, I don't know. I just, I can't be serious too long. Again, why I can't be a real pastor. So we would be sitting in class, and as soon as the teacher would shut the door, something would come out of my mouth, and Sandra would, <laughs> she would write your name down. And so when the teacher come back in, I always think of Miss Horton. Miss Horton was my third grade teacher, and she had a paddle about the size of, I don't know, this building. And so Sandra, of course, when Miss Horton comes in, Sandra's like, and Miss Horton goes, yes, Sandra, I have the names. She said, would you bring them to me? Of course I will. And she would bring the names up, and my name was always the first one. Well, why am I not surprised? Kenny, go out in the hall. So I go out in the hall, and I stand out in the hall for a little while thinking about what's about to happen. And all of a sudden, the door would open up, and the end of this wooden thing would start coming out. And on the other end of it, at some point, there's Miss Horton. And she's standing there, and she gets it up on her shoulder, and she says, well, your name was on the list. And I go, yes, ma'am. Why was your name on the list? I don't know what she saw me do. Um, was it for talking? No. Was it for throwing paper? No. I give up. What did I do? And she would tell me whatever it was that I did. And she'd go, okay, I've got to paddle you. And I would say, okay. 
And I would stand there. She would go, okay, put your hands against the wall. Y'all might not even know what a paddling is. But you would stand with your hands on the wall. She'd go lean over. you cack, 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 cack. And you get right there in that position. And then she, she'd stand back. She, she'd come warming up. And she'd be like, cack, cack, cack. So, bah! And she would hit you. And your breath would be like, ah, ah. She would, whoo, Miss Horton was bad. Tattletale. And I would go back into class, and I would look mean at Sandra. Sandra don't care. She's a good student. It's like the, the, the smart angels just hanging around her. You can't touch her. So I'd walk in. I wouldn't be crying because I'm tough, but I'd be going. <laughs> and she's going to go back here and sit down. You're like, I can't sit down. There's a burning in my bum. I can't sit down. Oh, tattletales. Now, to this day, I love Sandra. She's one of the sweetest people I've ever known. But in third grade, she was mean. But there were tattletales in this area. And they were called astronomers. They were also called Chaldeans. And so the Chaldeans went to the king's people. They said, oh, by the way, they probably didn't speak like that because they spoke Aramaic. But they were saying, hey, uh, you know when the, when the bells ring, when the lyres play, not lyres is in, liar, liar, pencil, and fire, but the different instruments, when all that stuff is going on, the, everybody is bowing down and saying, yeah, we've been noticing it. It's really cool. We're all worshiping our king. And they said, yeah, but there's three that aren't. And they said, well, which three are not? And they said, well, it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they said, well, what are we going to do? And they said, well, you must go tell the king. And so that's exactly what they did. Turn, if you would, in Daniel chapter 3. And let's see. We'll start at verse 16. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. This is after they've been told on. It says, they replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into a blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And, if, and at, he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve, our, serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. They came right out to the king's face and says, we will not bow down. Now, this is a unified body that said, we will not. There, in my mind, there has to be some, some inkling of one of them that would be, ah, I'm the bubble wrap. Um, <clears throat> that furnace, it's fiery. And people die there. you got to understand, they understood what that punishment was because it wasn't the first thing that they were trying to know. Hey, i got another idea. <laughs> we made bread the other day. Let's, let's make people in there. Let's throw people in there and see what happens. It wasn't that. They knew what was going to happen. They had been told. They had seen that happen before. So there had, in my mind, there just has to be a part of them that's going, man, whoo, man, it's been hot today. It's about to get hot. It's going to be rough. We're going to die. We're going to die. No, they were unified. There's that other side of me is like, the, there's the Peter of the group. I tell you what, they're going to put your hands on me. You think I'm going in the front of the, bro, you're going with me. I will beat you down. King Knucklehead, I will take you with me. In my mind, that has to be, but no. They said, no, hey man, we're in God's hands. There's that leader that speaks and says, we won't bow down. And if that means we die, it's okay. Because we are gods. We believe that you can throw us in that furnace, but he's going to protect us. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down to your image. Continuing in chapter 3 of Daniel. 
says that Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, their trousers, their turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into a blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into a blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet, and in amazement, he asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, Certainly, O king. And he said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. As I read this passage of scripture, I'm reminded of a story that I read. DC Talk several years ago wrote a a couple of devotional books, and it was about being a martyr for Christ. And it spoke about these people that were being burned at the stake. You know, last week we talked about Joan of Arc and being burned at the stake. And I don't know if you've ever tried to imagine what that must be like. But they showed these, uh, or as they're writing this story, they were talking about these these group in China. And they were being arrested. They were going to be burned at the stake for being followers of Christ. And as they're in their prison cell, another prisoner is looking across to one person in in, in Pacific. One person. (laughs) I told you it was Monday. And as they're looking at that person, there's just a countenance about them that they just can't get their mind wrapped around. They look so peaceful. And he asked him, he says, don't you understand what's going to happen to you in the morning? And that guy looked at him and says, yeah, they're going to tie us to a stake, set us on fire. (laughs) He said, yeah, you understand that means you're going to die. And it's not going to be quick. It's going to be painful. He says, yeah, I know. He says, all you've got to do is say, no, I don't believe in this God thing. He says, but I do. I believe in God. I trust in God. I know that God will protect me. He said, well, I just can't believe that. He says, you must believe that. He said, I need proof. And the guy sitting there, he says, Here will be, this will be your proof. He said, tomorrow, as the flames grow higher, you will see proof from me that God is real. And so... The other prisoner, of course, goes to sleep. The one that was going to be burned at the stake, I couldn't imagine that he slept that night. But the next morning, as he was led out to his place of death, they tied him to a stake. They set the thing on fire. And as the flames started growing, they said that you could start seeing this person on fire. And as this person is sitting tied to a stake on fire, they said you could see parts of his body starting to fall. It was that hot. And as that happens... That person's looking through his prison cell at what's going on. And he sees the man that told him, I will show you that God is real. In the midst of what was happening, he lifts his hands up and he starts clapping. And he starts screaming praises to God. You see, it doesn't matter how hard things get at some point. If there is a faith, if there is a faith in God, there is strength to do things you couldn't imagine. And as these four were faced, or as these three were faced with certain death, God was with them. A couple of weeks ago on a Sunday night, the praise team did a song, uh, There's Another One in the Fire. 
And that song is just, I can't get it out of my mind because I think about tough times that I've gone through. And when I think of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and their willingness to not give in to what the world says, by no means am I equal to any of them, but I think about my sister and myself when our father was sick. And people would come to us and they go, y'all look so peaceful. It's because we knew that God was taking care of it. I talked to a dear friend last Friday. Jessica and I had the opportunity to go meet with a bunch of youth pastors. And as we were meeting with them, I, I asked him, I said, man, how's your parents? I hadn't seen them. I ran into them one day at a cafe, but I hadn't really been able to talk to them in a long time. He says, well, he said, Kenny, they're getting old. He said, you know, they're in their late 80s and uh, things are starting to happen. I said, yeah. And I said, well, how are you? He said, I'm good. He said, can I... I don't want to bring this up to bring back bad memories. He said, but I just have to share this. I said, okay. He said, the way you and your sister carried yourself through the loss of your mother and the loss of your father, I didn't understand it then, but I get it. When God is controlling your life, you're okay with whatever comes your way. And I said, yeah. I said, no, it's not fun times. He says, no, it's not fun. But there's a peace knowing that it's okay. And I think back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they chose each other to be friends. What was it that brought them together? What is it that brings you and your friends together? But even more importantly, what is it that makes you stay together? If you were faced with this, would you be okay? Would you be able to look at the world and go, I'm not going to bow down to what you say. I'm going to follow what God says. Is there one person in your group that would say, I'm taking the stand, and because they're taking the stand, you would all feel comfortable in taking the stand? Or maybe you would be the loud mouth that go, y'all can do what you want to, but I'm following God. Or maybe you'd be the bubble wrap one that says, you know, I know the world's going to lead us the wrong path. Or maybe you'd be the risk taker and go, I don't care what anybody says about me. I'm following God. How are you and your friends? Are you rebels as opposed to what the world says you should be? Or do you just get into the cookie-cutter world and live your life? My prayer is that your friendships will be so much more than just what's fun and what's cool. It would be wrapped around God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us through our social media. Go to KennyCrossroads.com and you can find all our places where you can get in contact with us. Or feel free to drop by sometime. Meet us at West End Baptist Church, Clanton, Alabama, or drop by on a Wednesday night at Crossroads, which is on the campus of West End Baptist Church. Love to hear from you. Love to just see what you're getting from this. And as always, thank you for being a part of Crossroads.